Cars today are computers on wheels, from electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors. But all of this tech is really expensive to fix when it breaks, and that's why I am covered with CarShield. I have a couple of old trucks that are not covered by warranty anymore, and I have CarShield because it's affordable protection that have saved me literally probably $13,000 between the two trucks for covered repairs, computers, GPS, electronics, all of it. You can choose your favorite mechanic. I take it to the dealership when something goes wrong. CarShield takes care of all of it. They get you back on track in no time. They have 24-7 roadside assistance, a rental car while yours is being fixed. They've helped so far over a million customers drive with confidence knowing that you have coverage from America's number one auto protection provider. So whether you have 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles on your vehicle, it's going to break. Don't wait until your check engine light comes on. Get covered today by CarShield. Car Shield 1 800 Car 6000. 800 Car 6000. Mention the promo code Saturday or visit carshield.com and use that promo code Saturday. You'll save 10%. That's carshield.com, promo code Saturday. Deductible may apply. By the end of January 2017, my guest today was under investigation by the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Central Intelligence Agency and the National Security Agency, the Director of National Intelligence and the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. This was a massive operation that spanned more than three years and cost millions of dollars. And in the end, he was not accused of one single crime. I will tell you that in the course of the last Last few years, I have been conflicted. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? At first, I was convinced he was guilty, and then I wasn't so sure, and then I was convinced again, and then I wasn't sure. Most of our trusted institutions were telling us that this is a bad guy. Media were in lockstep. This is a foreign agent. But as the facts started to come out, and we began to do our homework, and more and more things were released, we began to realize that something truly criminal had occurred, but not from him, not the one we originally thought our government in collusion with agencies and the media did do something criminal they destroyed an american citizen on this episode of the podcast the man that found himself directly in the crosshairs of the deep state it all began with the lies about carter page been called a lot of things a lot uh you were kind of a fugitive if you will um and one of the things that was said about you and i think this is the kindest thing that could have been said um or they did say was the russians didn't even want you because you were too stupid looking at your history you are anything but stupid you have your masters you have a phd um, you were in the top 10% of your class at the Naval Academy. 
Um, you, top five percent, actually, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. And it's still a big deal for me. Right. Top five. I mean, you were anything, and you're you're successful. You were COO of Merrill Lynch. Um, is is there anything out there about you that's true? <laughs> it's amazing the impact of the media because people can take little snippets of information. Mm-hmm. And totally twist and spin it in a way which is completely false and, you know, an entirely different reality. So. You were five years naval intelligence? A, a naval officer, but I, I worked with intelligence okay. in, in many um, contexts. So you, you, you know the world of intelligence. Um, you know the spy game. How shocking was it to you, a guy who's served in the military, actually helped put bad guys who were trying to, you know, bring you in as a Russian spy at one point. You turn that whole situation around. You expose bad guys with the government. You become an informant for the government. Um, you, How were you? It was the intelligence agencies that you were working with and that you were a part of for a long time that turned this whole thing around and you're a pawn and you're a nobody because they're after Donald Trump. How, what, how do you process that? Well, I process it through a lot of that same experience, right? My first time ever at CIA headquarters was over a quarter century, century ago and 1993, 1994. And, you know. I think I should shave my head because you look too young for the <laughs> quarter century ago. But anyway. Well, you know, there, that institution, the CIA, it was created in, with, around the start of the Cold War, mm-hmm. right? So their whole raison d'etre is to, you know, Russia is bad. And we're kind of, you know, they, they sort of were built upon that foundational premise. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, you know, they've they've adapted to a certain extent Mm -hmm. over time. But there has always been sort of an institutional uh, assumption, a lot of institutional assumptions, often not fully reflective of reality uh, to various different degrees at at various points in time. But that's that's been a major um, that is where, you know, you ask about it being a surprise I've had these debates with very high level people and, you know, mid-level people and, you know, agents on the ground in the CIA as well as the FBI. And, you know, I, like candidate Trump, uh, had a different worldview, a different worldview kind of based upon experience and, you know, understanding. Yes. Yeah. And again, this is this is the foundation upon which. This institution was to a large extent created. Obviously, you know, it's a global they have a global footprint and a global, you know, mm-hmm. operations and mm-hmm. analysis on the one hand. But when it, when you kind of go back to day one of that institution, what the Dulles brothers were involved in and, you know, a lot of yeah. kind of the, the people, yeah. original founders, if mm-hmm. you will, that's, you know, so. um I know that to be true. However, 
you you have intelligence people now at the heads of our intelligence agency, Clapper and all those people, that, you know, also say that, you know, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood is largely secular. And they're, I mean, they have a completely different worldview on things. The Soviets were an enemy. The Russians are, Russian people are not our enemy. Um, but Putin is, you know, he's a bad guy. And you have, you know, some really bad oligarchs uh, in Russia. You agree with that, right? <laughs> it's another one of these situations, Glenn, where if I don't agree with it, okay. then you kind of people I'm, come back. I, so let me let me give you an example yeah. on that. President Trump, his interview with O'Reilly, your old okay. colleague, yeah. you know, this is something, you know, and he had he was sort of asked a similar question and, you know, he kind of punched back a little bit. And I think, again, sort of the reasons I was a centerpiece in terms of them coming after me is a desire to try to find new solutions. Look, nobody is perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Mm -hmm. Anyone. Is Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin perfect? Absolutely not. But nonetheless, there are a lot of constructive things that can be done if you look for new approaches. And let me tell you something. As a person who spent, you know, years living in Moscow and actually quite a bit of time in 2016, I, I made two trips over there in uh, July of 2016 and in December. There are a lot of people and there's a lot of momentum for trying to find new solutions. Oh, I'm not doubting that. At all levels of the government and all all uh, aspects of society right. as well. There's There are also people that are still looking to crush the United States, just like there are hawks over here that would like to go in. I mean, you know, the night that Trump bombed uh, or, or Iran bombed, uh, you know, our troops, uh, I heard a lot of people on the right going, we've got to go in and take their oil fields and everything. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? So I know there are hawks on on both sides that just think this is still 1956 or 51 or whatever it is. Um, but go ahead. Well, it's you know, there's kind of hawks, you know, hawks versus dove issues. I think it's a little bit of a separate I- issue. And I think you can kind of achieve things on both fronts vis-a-vis this, the broader question, which we were you know, first talking about of relationships, yeah. right? And I look, I think this is similarly another guy who's, you know, still currently dealing with a lot of a lot of things right now is General Flynn, right? And he had, I think, uh, I don't want to misquote him, but one of the premises of his worldview and his sort of national security strategy, uh, you know, his concepts that he was, uh, he's talked about and has written about going back many years is these uh, this country, Russia, can be a uh, an ally in, yeah. in terms of that exact uh, you know, in a Middle East context and mm-hmm. a lot of other mm-hmm. contexts. So, so um, I, I, I wasn't planning on going here, but I have to just ask this yeah, question. Sure. But you do believe that the Russians, because they announced this beforehand, I was talking about this in 2014. That they wanted to disrupt our elections. I don't think they wanted to have Trump or Clinton. They don't care. They just 
would like to sow the seeds of chaos, um, at least, you know, some of them uh, as the government. And we have we have evidence that they did that. You agree with that? Let me tell you about the evidence I know for sure and what we've been talking about in terms of these FISA warrants. The evidence we have is that a lot of this, uh, the impact in meddling in the election? I'm not saying impact. I'm saying that that was their intent. I'm not saying saying that they did meddle or they changed anything. What I'm saying is... um, We've done a better job on sowing chaos inside of our own country by using a failed attempt to influence our election. Um, And I think they kind of knew. I think Putin's really smart. I think he kind of (laughs) knew all I have to do is do these little things and they'll eat it up. The the Democrats, when did they start hating Russia? They hated Donald Trump. They hated Donald Trump. And we've done the damage. I'm not saying they threw the election. I'm saying they put enough out and then our media and and we just consumed it in a way of doing the damage they couldn't do. Well, let, let, let's be specific, right? They're on early January, two weeks before the inauguration, they had this director of national intelligence Russia report, which came out. Clapper, Comey, Brennan, these guys, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. now big sort of media stars Mm -hmm. or, you know, book authors for Mr. Comey. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were two main conclusions in broad terms in in that uh, in that report. Number one, uh, there was hacking related Mm -hmm. to the election. Mm -hmm. And the other part, and it's kind of towards the end, although it's parts of it are Mm -hmm. uh, there's an appendix at the Mm -hmm. end of the of that document um which talks about government propaganda right in each of those two uh those two allegations that is precisely what the dnc and the obama administration did to the trump campaign Mm -hmm. uh and in conjunction you know that was that was the other part of this to me is russia played a role they stated it in advance what they were going to do and and the DN and Trump was not connected to any of that. And the DNC was connected to, I think, stuff that was much worse in the long run with the Ukrainians. You know, anybody who could cause chaos wants to cause chaos if it's especially if it's in their own interest. It was in the they thought the interest of of the Ukrainians to get Hillary Clinton in. So they'll help any way they want. And the former administration was there. Everything they said Donald Trump was doing, they were doing. Donald Trump was not. Russia was trying to interfere, but not coordinating with a campaign. These people in Ukraine were. Is that accurate? You know, I... I've spent a fair amount of time in Ukraine. Uh, I have not. I don't. I'm always very cautious, Glenn, of talking about things that I don't really know and have all the facts about. And, you know, look, I think this is part of the reason what we see about uh, with respect to this impeachment thing right now, because there's so much confusion and chaos and incomplete information. Right. A lot of this. 
you know, I, I think the jury's still out. You know, we don't there's a lot more that we need to know. And, you know, we're even uh, as, you know, sort of these pieces are starting to come together and we start getting some of this information. I think we may have a better sense of things. So I, I'm always very cautious about, you know, coming to conclusions. All I do know is, you know, in a Russia context and again, going back to that DNI report two weeks before the inauguration, which was effectively a U.S. government slash Obama administration smear campaign against President Trump or President elect Trump, uh, you know, in the lead up to him, you know, being sworn in. Let's. Let's start. Uh. With the day it got real for you, the day Isakoff and uh, Yahoo comes out with a story that says you're a Russian plant, you're a Russian spy, you have connections with the Kremlin, you're part of this coordination, you're you are a bad guy. Um, you know that's not true. Do your friends and family react the same way well it's interesting throughout several months prior you know it 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 became real in a public context i became a public figure that day i never had a wikipedia page you know (laughs) within, within hours of this you know they they have a Wikipedia page on it, you know, mm-hmm. using that as the basis, right? This mm-hmm. is kind of, you know, one of the you first, are. you know, this is the defining moment of this, you know, previously completely unknown guy, right? But I think it's important, you know, to, and it, it speaks to your point a little bit. Um, the months prior, I actually got a lot of phone calls from uh, journalists First one was with the Wall Street Journal. Someone from the Wall Street Journal calls me back in July asking about these same false allegations, which the DNC's consultants were trying to spread uh, to try to, you know, this quote unquote opposition research against then candidate Trump. And the the calls continued over the following months. Washington Post. Nobody reports on it. No one reports on it. Because they can't. Verify well, the, number one, not verify, but but you know, in fairness to those other media organizations, mm-hmm. whether it's the Wall Street Journal, mm-hmm. even New York Times and the Washington Post, CNN, when they're asking me about this, you know, they it's they're being professional journalists, you yes, know, to yes. uh, maybe you know, again, like mm-hmm. we were saying, there's no one's perfect, mm-hmm. but they took steps to try to. Um, you know, do things in a professional way. And this guy, uh, Mr. Isakoff, you know, never talked to him. And I never, I never spoken with him. He never, he never reached out. He he left me a couple voicemails. Did no, uh, just saying, you know, can you call me back type of thing? But I had no idea, you know, and I'm, again, I'm a private figure. I'm just a little, uh, Volunteer, Volunteer. you know, the guy uh, in terms of positive impact on the on any presidential campaign, someone who's uh, putting um, signs on lawns in Texas or Mm -hmm. Missouri or or anywhere has a much more, you know, positive impact than a guy who's sort of just a member of this committee. (laughs) Uh, So uh, and and, the, the funny thing. So. 
uh, there's there's tons of angles, but yeah. But, okay, so but if it's but I mean on that day, uh, you know I, I again completely unknown person. I start getting tons of calls from the media, right? Um, just asking me about uh, about these false allegations, and it, it just sort of became a uh, a downward spiral. And my hope, again, sort of. The private figure, sort of behind the scenes kind of guy that I was, my hope is that it would just blow over. So I kind of, you know, I just said, well, kind of a lot of no comments, some, you know, comments on background mm-hmm. or sort of mm-hmm. off the record that, you know, mm-hmm. use your common sense. This is just, right. you know, ridiculous on the face. And, um, and I kind of tried to uh, go underground a little bit, you know, and again, to your point, I there are a lot of questions um, from, you know, even family, people I was close with, uh, you know, what's going on here? Right. I mean, there is a certain assumption about the media that if they're kind of throwing out these very serious allegations, there's got to be something to it. There's got to be something somewhere, you know, so um, it just creates doubt and. I think the thing that was the most serious element of all this is, again, you talk about divisive forces in politics. This, you know, exactly to your point, there are some that are going to be inclined to believe this. There are some that are going to be, you know, realize that it's completely frivolous on Mm -hmm. its face. But, you know, you have to... um, to the extent that those people who are the believers of the Russia collusion, mm-hmm. uh, false story, that becomes an issue when they wanted to kind of take law into their own hands. And I, I never meaning meaning a lot of death threats, terror threats that I got starting, you know, right around that time. Was there ever a point to where you were, you realized I'm really pretty alone and there's no one really writing into my defense? And uh, was there ever just a, a, a moment where you thought I, I'm I'm destroyed for the rest of my life? I don't I won't get it back. The bigger costs is I always think about the damage that this story is doing to our country, to our institutions, to our democracy, really. Um, that's that's awfully, always sort no, of fun. That's awfully noble. I, I mean, I've gone through, not even gone through what you've gone through, but I've, I've been, I have a Wikipedia page too. <laughs> sure. Uh, and, uh, and even trying to change my own Wikipedia page and go, well, what's your evidence? It's me. That's my evidence. It's me. I gave up a long time I know. ago. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, me too. Um, but even as much as I'm focused on that, there are times when I just think, I'm, I'm, this is not worth it. Because you're not going to beat it. You're not going to win. It's too big. Nobody gives a crap. There isn't a single person in journalism that actually wants to know the truth. And you, I go from, you know, times of... Righteous indignation to I'm just I'm going to go to the mountains and I'm just I don't care anymore. I don't care because if people won't stand up 
and do their own homework enough yeah. and use some common sense, there's no saving them anyway. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I, I think there's there's a lot of different motivations for people in terms of the, the reasons that they do things they do. And the desi- the uh, commitment to kind of do in the end of the day whatever it takes. And from, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just getting to know you now, but my, my sense is we kind of come at it from a very similar perspective of, you know, as one of the sole people who can help fix this mess and, you know, anything you can do to help uh, create some semblance of integrity within our society and understanding is invaluable. And at the end of the day, you know, despite the costs, it makes it, it makes it all worth it. Because there is something bigger than just us. Yep. Okay. Um, I just, I, I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever met anybody who is the Cary Grant character in North by Northwest. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I don't think so. You, you should watch it. <laughs> okay. He's an, he's an average everyday guy. They mistake him for somebody else. The Russians do. And they think he's a spy. And he's just, he's like, no, no, no. And everybody's after him. The police is after him. Everybody's after him. The CIA knows that's not him. But they can't let on because they're going to figure out their, the CIA's real plan. Mm-hmm. So Cary Grant is being destroyed by everybody. Nobody's standing up. Between that being your kind of character, at least in my head, and, and the awesome betrayal of your country uh, and your fellow intelligence people and the FBI. I, I have a hard time getting my arms around that, but let's stick stick to the story here. Mm-hmm. I've not heard. I've not heard the story of, I know they tried to recruit you years ago as you know, when you were over in Russia, not true. This is a, again, more spin, Right. People are looking I some of these cases which have you know now been disclosed by government operatives trying to smear me as a way to damaging candidate president elect and President Trump. It, there's so much more to the to the story. And I have never been, quote unquote, recruited. You know, I think some of these case studies, which have been in uh, the Mueller report and other uh, other things that are very misleading, um, you know, there these individuals, these uh, alleged uh, Russian agents, mm-hmm. a couple guys I you know would have casual conversations with. No big deal. No one ever asked me to do anything. No one in Russia ever asked me to do anything unethical, illegal, or, you know, really in support of their government as a mm-hmm. agent or any, any, mm-hmm. anything along those lines. We're just having friendly conversations. And, you know, there's a lot of elements to the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Freedom of the press, I think, is the most well-known. But there's mm-hmm. also freedom of speech. And freedom, and freedom of association. Of, freedom of association. And so... If I'm having a conversation with someone, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I've never been asked to do anything unethical, illegal, 
or questionable in any way by any of these individuals. And so, yeah. Okay, so that's where that left. Yeah. So then what about the part of the story where you go to the FBI and you say, hey, I can help you uh, catch some bad guys? Truth to that one? Well, yes and no. There is a, again, I had a longstanding relationship with people, you know, within both the FBI and CIA. And I was someone who's going back to kind of the the news and related, uh, you know, telling the truth. I'm someone who has definitive insights of what's happening in the Middle East, in Russia, in China, a lot of, you know, worldwide. So we had a we had a dialogue. Um, And so, you know, it's less I mean, again, these these two specific uh quote unquote, Russian agents who are, you know, portrayed in the Mueller report very incompletely uh, and in many ways misleading and in some instances false information. Um, You know, the uh, they're just conversations I had. And, you know, again, I was a supporting uh, source for the U.S. intelligence community. And, you know, it's unfortunate that, again, bearing in mind the original impetus for the creation of the CIA and, you know, a lot of what the FBI did throughout the original Cold War is, you know, going after Russian bad guys. So to the extent someone can give some context and some, you know, the full perspective. uh, It's not unusual for the CIA or FBI when you are going to meet with high level business people in other countries. This is common. That they would ask you just for perspective, right? Well, what's interesting about it is, uh, you know, what's what's different about uh, my situation is typically, you know, yes, you're absolutely right that, you know, that happens Mm -hmm. a fair amount of times uh, or, you know, on some levels. However, what's what is different is. U.S. government sources leaking information about that support of individuals, right? Particularly in a negative context, in a way which, mm-hmm. as we've been talking about, is very misleading. So, I mean, one great example I like to cite is um, back when uh, George H.W. Bush, uh, the first President Bush, was, um, you know, in an earlier stage of his mm-hmm. uh career at, at the high at the highest levels kind of i think it was around his uh, presidential campaign or something like that he had actually been a you know he had done similar to me he'd be an international business guy focused mm-hmm. on the energy sector mm-hmm. so and he, he would have some meetings with people in latin america and you know same as i was doing uh with my uh work worldwide russia china the middle east you know, I would I would provide uh, CIA um, with some insights. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is when that when that news came up during his uh, presidential campaign, you know, he always I, I forget exactly how he uh, handled it. But, you know, it was always no comment. He never uh, really was uh, very forthcoming mm-hmm. about that. And I never wanted to be either, but unfortunately, when you know when you have this false story, uh, you know, surrounding this collusion between the 
intelligence uh, community, FBI, CIA, and the mainstream media, you got to... You know, no again, doubt say, that, you got to set the set the record straight. That's a little bit. that's no doubt in your mind that they all colluded together. Well, I, I think it's it's apparent on the face. I, I, again, uh, the look. I think one of the biggest examples is the DNC's consultants. You know, the the bought and paid for consultants who also had um, relationships or contractual relationships either even with the fbi we know uh christopher Steele was paid and this is through a judicial watch freedom of information mm-hmm. act findings mm-hmm. uh within the last few years he was paid 11 times by the fbi in the year 2016 so while he's being paid by the DNC, right, right, and, and while and, the, and their law and their law firm uh, Perkins Coie, right, so. and and at the same time the FBI decides to cut him off as a source because he's leaking things to the press, yes, and then they go through somebody else in the Justice Department and the FBI. Somebody in the FBI says, "Hey, if you meet with him." You know, let us know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, they're still getting information. Yeah. So what does that mean to you? Is 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 our Justice Department, FBI, CIA, is it fundamentally broken? I think it is. Well, I, I think elements of it are. And I think, you know, there are some people, a small handful of people at, at the highest levels, both within DOJ and frankly, in the White House, who are trying to fix the situation. But, you know, there's a lot of institutional momentum and, you know, a lot of bad actors. And these people are individuals who have worked together going back many years or even decades. Right. So, um, you know, you look out for your 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 brethren, if you will. And you look out, you watch each other's backs. Exactly. So. um, With the Russians, um, it's even. It seems even more clear uh, to me. Um, if you hadn't been recruited um, or t- attempted to recruit, never um, that the FISA warrant for you is even weaker than I thought it was, and it. So let's go through the FISA warrant. What did they accuse you of to the judges? Well, what's I think the most interesting element of it is it's been partially declassified, right? You know, it's about 400 pages, you know, give or take uh, 100 pages for each of the, you know, the first warrant in October 2016, just a couple of weeks before the election, Right. And then the renewals uh, right during the transition team in January of 2017, and then two uh, in uh, April and June of 2017. So um, the problem, (laughs) the reason why it's difficult to answer your question is a lot of that remains blacked out, you know, redacted, right? There are, you know, you see it. I've never seen it. And the the problem, and this is, you know, some of the, it speaks to a part of the uh, illegality of all this. 
there is, and you know, we've talked about uh, the Watergate situation. Mm-hmm. You know, one um, around the same time when that whole scandal was going on, there was a law passed by the U.S. Congress, the Privacy Act of 1974. Mm-hmm. This is it's similar to FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, in many ways, which the press mm-hmm. uh, and other um, private citizens can use to try mm-hmm. to get uh, government information. The difference of Privacy Act is if the if the information is actually about the individual. So if the government holds what's known as, quote unquote, a system of records about you, you're supposed you have the right as you know, as defined by law to review that uh, information, number one, and also, you know, comment and request changes. Right. I have never been given that opportunity whatsoever. And I and I have asked that going back to May of 2017. I put in a request to the DOJ, to the FBI and to National Security Agency. When did you know that a secret court had been convened about you and that everything you did, read, saw, typed, talked to was being monitored? You know, I, I got some I got some glimpses of it. Uh, and, you know, there were some somewhat spec what seemed to be somewhat speculative news reports in, you know, right before the election. Again, this is part of the election interference campaign right. of, oh, there's something shady going on. And the intelligence community is looking into it, uh, which is totally based on, you know, falsehoods, mm-hmm. spins, spin and, uh, you know biased information Mm -hmm. you know and had to be released by government somebody yeah yeah somebody again you know there's released and you know again from whispered whispered or you know who exactly did what we're still Mm -hmm. waiting to find out you know so so what was your first inkling that you were being monitored uh and when did you actually know well, I think, you know, probably the most definitive uh, report about this was in April of 2017. And that's that's the first time that you were like, oh, my gosh, they've been watching me. So, well, it's been, you know, been is a past tense. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You know, yeah, I'm so sorry. April. Yeah. Well, it's uh, they are watching. But me. that was my but the bin is was my mm-hmm. assumption. Right. And mm-hmm. I actually asked in in. You know, the month before in March of 2017, I had, you know, about 10 plus hours of beatings with the FBI, with FBI agents. I mean, of, how, how I know they weren't actual. I hope they weren't actual beatings. But what meet meetings? I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, meetings. meetings yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, it's, interrogations it's funny. Well, it's funny. or it, meetings. Yeah. It's funny you say that the beatings. <laughs> Literally, I would pre- I presented the FBI agents in March of 2017 with evidence of the death threats that I was getting, including, and I've, I've filed, you know, I've provided this in some court uh, filings that I've submitted, but, um, but in March, on March 20th, 2017, literally the, uh, I get this voicemail that, 
you know, talking about beating me over my head with a with a baseball bat, you know. So, it, yes, I guess mm. <laughs> inadvertently, I, I meant meetings, but mm. we did talk about yeah. the uh, the uh, beating threats, mm-hmm. right? And you know, a lot of other death threats, getting shot, etc. So, so were these at meetings that they asked for? Were they interrogating you, or you asked for? Well, I had a long. It's funny, right when this defamatory news article that the DNC was and their mm-hmm. consultants were trying to place uh, and their associates were trying to place in the media throughout the summer of 2016, which is finally published on Friday, September 23rd, 2016. I sent a letter to then FBI director James Comey. I emailed him a, a one page letter just explaining how ridiculous this whole thing was. And I had asked in that letter, right, you know, I had offered, you know, this is, it's obvious how ridiculous these false allegations, which have been, you know, spread in the media by the Democrats are. I think anyone with any common sense would understand that. Mm -hmm. If you have any questions and you don't agree, or if I can provide any other information, as I've done... You know, going back many, many years to both the FBI and CIA, give me a call. Not only did they not call Glenn, just a couple of weeks later, they, you know, used the DNC consultant to get this fraudulent FISA uh, approved. And then they did it again in G- January of 2017. So it wasn't until many months later, close to, you know, over five months later, that in early March, one of the FBI, you know, a, a pair of FBI agents kind of walk up to me unannounced uh, and, you know, say, well, we'd like to like to talk to you. And they had a copy of that letter, you know, over five months later, while they're using this defamatory information spread by the Democrats and also, you know, spread throughout the mainstream media. But you didn't know about the FISA. You didn't know what they were doing. All well, they they again, there were some kind of somewhat speculative reports in, right. you know, right before the election. But, you know, I, look, like, I, I, look kind of like, I say, you know, there's still a lot I don't know right now. Yeah. There's still a lot you don't know, right, you know, and you're, people like you who have been really trying to dig hard to get this information on through, you know, any any way possible in terms of, you know, asking the right questions. You know, we're still all getting blocked. So, yes, you know, there was some hard evidence that we're getting. We got a 480 page Inspector General report, which came out in December of uh, 2019. But, you know, it's the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more. I guess I'm asking, is it kind of like a friend who thought this weekend that he had cancer? Thought I I spent a lot of time with him this last weekend. I'm sorry. Talking talking through that. and, And he would go through periods of real despair and then real hope. And... Because I've been through this before, I, I I wondered how he was going to react once he got the news one way or another. Um, because there's something about not knowing for sure that gives you a little bit of hope. You know what I mean? So was it is it kind of like that moment when you find out that the government has been reading everything, been watching everything, that you 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 had a little bit of hope that maybe that's not really going on? Glenn, look, what I know for sure and what I've known for sure for over three years already is using your analogy, 
there is a serious cancer that our country is suffering from based, you know, which started with this uh, metastasizing of the uh, Russia collusion hoax. To me, you know, in answer to your question, that is the biggest problem and, you know, thing at the forefront of my mind. There's a lot of things that I'm starting to do to, you know, help uh, help find a cure, if you will, uh, for both myself and for our entire country. But and litigation uh, yeah, is yeah. one of those things. Absolutely. Your confidence level? I I'm I'm very confident that my case is incredibly strong. The thing which sometimes gives me a little bit of caution is I know what's been done in federal courts mm-hmm. by false filings by U.S. Department of Justice and private institutions, the DNC and media organizations in terms of some of my initial uh, battles. So um, and look, I mean, that's kind of that that caution is, you know, reason for that caution is a key storyline in uh, the inspector general report. Right. Those 17 errors and omissions. So what, you know, the caution, you know, I know my case, if we're kind of basing things exactly upon the facts and, you know, what actually happened, I have the strongest case in the world. The challenge becomes when you have really dishonest people hiding in the murk of secrecy, (laughs) spinning and playing games. So I went, uh, I had to go to court as I was being sued uh, and uh, I had I had documents, federal documents that were given to me mm-hmm. by a federal agent okay. um, who said this has got to be exposed. I exposed it. The, what was the date, by the way? Um, or year. What year? Uh-huh. Oh, it's it's during the Obama administration. That's, the, that's my main question. Yeah, yeah. OK, so uh, I had the documents, had them and showed that the government was absolutely lying and protecting their their you know agenda yes um and the cost of it was very high well i i am taken to court and uh the government shows up and there are six white house attorneys and they say in open court we will never release these documents and the court orders them to release them not going to do it. They openly defy in open court. We're not going to release them. Then finally, they have to release them. And we had a stack of papers about that week. All of it redacted. Okay. Except a couple of words here and there. And our documents, you could open up and go, okay, see, plate 23. See that word? That word's there. <laughs> it didn't help. If the government wants to destroy you mm-hmm. and wants you to lose, who are you going to? There's no higher court. Who are you going to? So you've seen this apparatus. Yep. You've seen what they have. They, This is Jason Bourne stuff where you're like, you know what I mean? And people don't think that those things are real, but they are. That kind of stuff happens when you're playing ball at a global level. Yes. Too much power to lose here. What gives you 
the Boy Scout hope, Mr. Eagle Scout, that justice will be done for you and America? I think there's a lot of momentum right now. Number one, again, sort of consistent with what he's done since he came down the elevator at Trump uh, Tower back in 2015. The president is committed to really making America great again. And this is a key part of it. Right. But is he is he hated? My, my thought originally was he was really, truly hated by the press and by the other candidates because he was so unconventional. He wasn't held to any of the same standards. He could say crazy things, get away with it. He was elected. But my perspective now is he's hated by the power in Washington so much because whether he intends to or not, he's just exploding all over the place and it's exposing this entire sick, twisted game that's been played in Washington. Which is more accurate? I, I think they're both accurate, and uh, I think there's a uh, coalition, if you will, between the bad actors in each of those categories that you're uh, you're alluding to. You know, particularly in a Washington context, a lot of those Washington bad actors who have been there for a long time, you know, know how to manipulate the system on the other side of that equation. So it's a it's a vicious circle, if you will. Um, what did you know about Christopher Steele before? It's an important question. Um, and it, it actually ties together a lot of the things you're, you're alluding to. Um, I found out in September of 2016 that the Democrats had hired some uh, opposition, you know, consultants t- to dig up dirt on then candidate Trump, including myself. Mm-hmm. And I knew that there was some entities and individuals in London who were working on this. So, again, and we started to talk about what happened in that transition period between, mm-hmm. you know, when I took a leave of absence from the tra- uh, campaign and uh, the weekend after that uh defamatory news report in September 2016. But I actually, again, when I'm having all these death threats, I I went to South Africa because, you know, it was one, you know, I've done some work there before. I've spent some time there. I have colleagues and I'm like, well, maybe I can be safe here when I'm having all these death threats. And so from South Africa in late uh, late October 2016, I there is a commission, the Organization of Security and Cooperation in Europe does an election monitoring in uh, countries around the world. And they they assess election interference in a lot of countries, typically, you know, more problematic in, you know, some world, yeah. third world mm-hmm. than, than other. But, you know, there was an election monitor with uh, hundreds of monitors doing this in the United States for the 2016 election. I sent a uh, uh, a letter, a protest letter, or kind of you know notification of the human rights abuses in uh, you know while I was down there in South Africa. You know, I emailed it to the president or the uh, president in office, the chairman 
um, the head of the OSCE, uh, who is who's now actually the president of, of Germany, uh, as well as, you know, the kind of the main person on the ground, uh, a British uh, lady. Um, and uh, what kind of abuses did you see? Well, so to, to the point, that's that's where I'm kind of leading with this. I kind of explained the, uh, you know, this hoax, which is which was just starting. Uh, similar to what I explained to Mr. Comey um, several weeks earlier in the in the wake of this defamatory report. But um, I explained that to them. And I also mentioned there is a line in there. It's about a four or five page letter, but a, a line in there saying that, you know, I understand that there are uh, operatives in London uh, who have been hired. Uh, and I allude to the fact that they're, you know, working in concert mm-hmm. uh, with a law firm. Mm-hmm. And so I notified the uh, the OSCE, this international organization, about this terrible election interference campaign mm-hmm. uh, to try to undermine President or candidate Trump mm-hmm. and uh, and American democracy. Um, and the response? I, you know, I, I think someone may have asked them about it. They, they ended up doing a little report uh, right around the time of the election, kind of in the in the days filing, and they're like, well. And it's funny, I I believe the response was words to the effect of, well, this is something that needs to be figured out by uh, by people domestically that are like, you know, long story short, they they gave the message of, you know, we're not going to uh, wade into this uh, this big story. Okay, so let me go through something in the Mueller report. The investigation did not establish that Page coordinated with Russian government in its efforts to interfere with the 2016 presidential election. However, with incomplete evidence or testimony about who Page may have met or communicated with in Moscow, his activities in Russia, as described in his emails with the Trump campaign, were not fully explained. What does that mean? It's more spin, right? That The three Democrat operatives who interrogated me for the in front of the grand jury, um, you know, they had sort of the similar tone and just a really nasty approach by all of them. And look, I mean, there's just tremendous bias and tremendous spin, right? The irony of that statement you just met, uh, read, Glenn, was think about it. I have been, I was under surveillance for a year. <laughs> They've gone through Everything, Everything. And they couldn't find anything because nothing existed, but they couldn't find anything to advance their false, you know, DNC crafted Mm -hmm. storyline. So just kind of throw some more final dirt as you're kind of walking out the door and going back to your your big time law firms and spending that uh, to advance your personal career at, at the cost of. Myself, but so many others. And again, I always bear in mind with this uh, fake Mueller report that, you know, the uh, obviously they have a lot of hatred for me and a lot of other Trump, uh, you know, members of the Trump movement. But at the end of the day, they they really just hate our president right now. Did you ever come across any of them, any of them at any level that were like, dude, I'm. Sorry to have to ask you this, or I, I think, you know, it, was there any indication anyone at any time was seeing the abuse that from the inside? Well, that, that's sort of the sad part about it, Glenn, because I, 
Again, I, so and, and it's in the Mueller report that I had five meetings with the FBI in March of 2017, you know, a couple, uh, couple months after the inauguration. And towards the end of those five meetings, you know, they're grilling me pretty hard. You know, these are kind of up to th- close to three hours or, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, long sessions. And, I, and I, I always brought my laptop to those sessions and I would kind of. I'd bring like a little thumb drive to kind of give them more and more documents. Mm-hmm. Little did I know that they had already hacked them. They hacked my uh, my computers and, you know, had been wiretapping me for, for many months. So, you know, I kind of, the 20 bucks or whatever I spent on that USB drive. To, uh, <laughs> they laughed. Kind of, well, they, no, they didn't laugh. They're good kind of, you know. No, I mean yeah. to themselves when they got it. Perhaps. But, you know, and this is kind of where I'm, I'm going with this. Uh Towards the end of those meetings, they said to me, well, you know, originally it was kind of asking me direct questions. And then, again, it's just so ridiculous on their face. A few times they would say, you know, our bosses want <laughs> want us to ask this. Yeah. Right? You know, and this is, you know, uh, then uh, dr- the director was uh, Mr. Comey and the deputy director was, um, you know, McCabe. And so. You know, I understood that, uh, you know, maybe these are, you know, there's a lot of great people on the FBI as well as the CIA and, you know, throughout our our government. But, you know, um, the bigger uh, issue is I I know there was kind of high level operatives who are very partisan and political who are really just trying to um, interfere in our election, but also cause as much damage as possible to uh to president trump in the uh beginning then and you know in the years since as we've unfortunately seen my opinion of donald trump has changed an awful lot um in some regard um he has uh not done some of the things that I thought he would do, which I thought would be very destructive. He's done some of those things by just tweeting all the time. Um, but he has also, uh, he's done a lot of good things and, um, he gets no credit for it at all. Some of the policies, some of the things like this, if he can expose this and stop this, he may be the most consequential in a positive direction uh, president since, I mean, I'd put him in Coolidge, Reagan, and even Lincoln on the amount of good that can be done if he can root this out. But he doesn't seem to have any allies. And I talk to senators and congressmen, and quite honestly, in private, they'll tell me how spooked they are by all of it. That's a real scary thing. Can President Trump stop this? Well, you know, I, and I, I mentioned as a uh, international fugitive, my going to South Africa, and I actually went to uh, the home of Nelson Mandela in mm-hmm. you know his hometown of Soweto uh, near near Johannesburg, and really. <laughs> You know, what he went through is very much similar to what uh, 
President Trump has gone through and really. Oh, my gosh. Is that going to cause a media storm just saying that? (laughs) Well, (laughs) Carter Page compares Nelson Mandela and Donald Trump. There's evidence that the CIA was involved in, you know, some of when uh, when Mandela was trying to create some change in South Africa during the apartheid regime. Mm -hmm. CIA, you know, which had. Uh, close, you know, the U.S. government had mm-hmm. ties with uh, with South Africa and mm-hmm. they were trying to keep things, you know, the establishment mm-hmm. uh, sort of heading in the direction that is in, you know, the way they they want things to go. And here's a guy, you know, similar to uh, candidate Trump, who's trying, you know, trying to shake things up and make things go in a, a better new direction for their country. Um, and. I think there's another similarity between those two is when someone has a such a um, goes through those trials. You know, he spent uh, you know, I spent time in Cape Town, too. Um, and, uh, you know, he was in jail in, uh, in an, on an island there for, I think, 17 years or something like that. Um, that makes you stronger in a lot of ways. Right. To kind of understand that corruption and these people who are coming after you so aggressively, it only makes you stronger if you can kind of go through that crucible and mm-hmm. uh, um, emerge victorious. And I think we're, it, I think similar to, uh, you know, all the impact that uh, uh, President Mandela has, it's, it's very similar in many ways. Do you... Um if you hadn't had something, uh, if you had had something to hide, anything, because I've I've lived a life where we have people going through our garbage, and my wife and I just laughed when we found out people were going through our garbage um, because we, we were an open book. Can you speak to the being an open book and how that? Uh, how important that is when you go through something like this? Well, again, you know, I think that just to sort of finish the thought uh, with those meetings in March of 2017, right? And being that open book. That information, which I'm giving to the FBI, again, similar to what you've experienced and, you know, what we've uh, what we've been talking about. It gets spun, right? You know, sometimes it's the old uh, Miranda rights statement. uh, Anything you say can and will be used against you. And these people are very creative when they have a agenda, both inside government, you know, bureaucracies, but also political operatives in government, but also in the media and the kind of the intersection between those two institutions. And unfortunately, you know, it can have a very big negative impact, but couple of couple of thoughts this Ukraine story this whole impeachment I believe and I'd love to hear your thoughts are just a almost a cover-up of all of this they Nancy Pelosi didn't impeach because they didn't have anything but once Trump started going to somebody that just might be crazy enough to say, yeah, I want to clean up my country that the Democratic Party and operatives did not have control of. 
they came out fast. We have to spin the story before the story is spun against us. Would you agree with that? A hundred and ten percent. And, you know, I, and I there's tons of evidence that, that directly supports that. Tons. Yeah. It's not coming out that way because the press is running, you know, all of the all the plays for them. Um, but these the, the same tactics used against you are are still being run. Uh, for instance, Rudy Giuliani was America's mayor. He was the guy who put the Gambino crime family away. You know, and, uh, you know, I, I look at anybody who can really be effective in New York and know you probably you're probably, you know, talking to some people that, you know, the good folks back in Iowa are not necessarily talking to. As Rudy said, you can't investigate the crime families unless you have some sources inside the crime families yes. to help do it. That's, I believe, what he was doing over in there. He's the president's attorney trying to find out first, who's, how's this Russia thing going on? How is your Pfizer? How did that happen? Where did that happen? Leads him right to Ukraine. And now we don't know the the guy who was... America's mayor, the guy who put the Gambinos away, now is Russian operative, dirty, colluding, and 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 the same thing that happened to you is happening to him. Again, I, I'm always very cautious. I, I've never met uh, Mayor Giuliani, um, but. <laughs> On the face of it, so many elements of that story. I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, from what I from what I can gather as a third party and uh, as an outsider, uh, I definitely see those those repeats happening, both for him, but also everybody. Well, everybody well, that. directly uh, the guy that they're really trying to take yeah. down, which is the person in the Oval Office. Yeah. Yep. And uh, where is? Uh, What's this going to mean in the end here? What, how do you think this plays out? I think it's we're at a really critical time and people need to take very serious steps. And I know you've uh, you've often had uh, Ted Cruz, Senator Cruz mm-hmm. from the great state of Texas mm-hmm. here. Um, he has been, you know, a growing force to really fight back against this uh, bureau, you know, this bureaucratic malfeasance and uh, and he's he has really been a great Good. inspiration. But I think there's, a, you know, quite a few individuals. Um, and again, you need you need support, you know, as, mm-hmm. as you're correctly alluding to. It's it's a lot more difficult when you uh, try to do things on your own. I've talked to senators. There are a lot of senators that just don't want to get into whistleblower stuff and all that in the impeachment trial. Should they? Well, I think, uh, again, all of this is the tip of the iceberg. I think, and I know uh, Senator Cruz has sort of started to say that uh, in terms of, uh, you know, let's, if you want witnesses, you know, you want uh, John Bolton and people mm-hmm. like that. Okay, fine, but we need reciprocity, right? Mm-hmm. We need sort of an equal approach. And 
I believe, you know, from all the sort of basic evidence that if all if that actually happened, it would be a complete disaster for the Democrats, given all the and the State Department and the intelligence and the FBI, which makes me think, you know, the, the, the you keep saying tip of the iceberg. Yes. Well, the iceberg above the water is here. It's this. Yes. Nobody sees that is the real problem. Exactly. How big is what's underneath the surface that none of none of us have seen? <laughs> it's funny. I've talked about that and I've had various assumptions over time. And, you know, just uh, back in December, uh, in December of 2019, you, we get this big IG report. And, you know, I always knew it was bad. We get this interim IG report, 480 pages with showing more evidence. So it, it just keeps getting worse and worse. Is so. Barr a guy who will clean this up I, or attempt to clean it, clean it up? I, I, I've never met him. Uh, I, I don't know firsthand, but just sort of on a theoretical level and what what he's said in some of his speeches, it's been a great inspiration. So, for example, his Federalist Society speech last year where he kind of mm-hmm. he talks about some of these themes, but also at Notre Dame Law School, you know, in terms of religious liberties, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think he is a incredible force, but he also, from what I can tell and he faces a lot of the same challenges that President Trump has faced. Number one, with people in the pure permanent bureaucracy who are not supporting him fully uh, or anywhere near fully, number one. And number two, the media, right? Anything he does is, you know, from what I've seen thus far, again, with no firsthand experience, but um, if he just does the right things or, you know, says reality— they come after him even more mm-hmm. <laughs> aggressively. So, for example, when the Inspector General report came out in, on December 9th, 2019, and two days later, the uh, um, you know Mr. Horowitz testified in the Senate Judiciary, he made some statements that just showed, you know, sort of underscored how serious this problem is. And a lot of a lot of people on the media that week were saying, oh, he's just, quote unquote, the president's lawyer, a personal mm-hmm. lawyer, kind of mm-hmm. kind of a fixer. Mm-hmm. No, he's just st- stating reality. And again, sometimes those headwinds of the media, negative media forces, as well as the permanent bureaucracy forces are pretty strong. But I think in each instance, Attorney General Barr and President Trump have great strength of character and great uh, great leadership skills. So I'm cautiously optimistic. A few years ago, when you first joined the Trump campaign, I imagine with your record, with your international skills, there would be a possibility of you, not saying that you did think this, but thinking, I could go anywhere from here. I could be an ambassador because I've I've served. I've done these things. I know these countries. I know these people. Not probably on your horizon, at least today. What is the net? Where do you go from here? You're certainly not going into media. Um, I mean, 
I would think that the president, uh, when he sees an injustice, maybe he he does put you in to serve someplace. But how are you going to get that passed? You know, how are you going to do that? Where do you go? What do you do? Well, it, look, it's the same challenge, I think, to your point. Uh, anyone that had sort of his similar worldview, um, the permanent bureaucracy and Democrat forces and the media came after them five times more aggressively. Right. So, I mean, I think a, a good example. Let's so. This uh, when that Isakoff report came out that uh, on Friday, September twenty third, twenty sixteen. Over the weekend, they've got this uh, this uh, Joy Reid show on MSNBC, <laughs> and who's with her? But uh, or, or with uh, so Isakoff is a guest talking about his big uh, defamatory report, and um, with with her uh, with the two of them is Ambassador Michael McFall who was uh, Obama's ambassador to Russia. Mm -hmm. And he and I have sparred over the years. But similarly, right around the time of the election uh, in November uh, 2016, I believe, he tweeted out that, is Carter Page going to be the ambassador to Russia? (laughs) And I I mean, it was uh, it's one of those things where um, they really these headwinds. It's just it's such a huge challenge, not only just fighting this permanent bureaucracy, but also um, the uh, the problems with um, individuals, right? You know, who I think along the lines of what you're what you're leading into, you know, who's going to want to deal with that? I I actually met a um, a person who's who is uh, still in the administration, worked on the campaign, and I met one of their family members uh, this year. Or, sorry, uh, last year in 2019. And, you know, they said to me that going through all of this, you know, Mueller witch hunt and related processes, I mean, it's these are huge costs. And, you know, people are on a government salary and the legal costs involved. So it's uh, it, it really is quite daunting. And I, and I again, this is this is another example where. <laughs> I'm I'm more concerned about, you know, number one, our country and what this has done to so many innocent individuals and the serious costs they've paid. And I, I mean, I, I said I, I expressed my apologies to their to their family uh, saying that. And part of it, and I think this gets to their point. Like, what do you where do you go from here? How do you how do you deal with this? I think anything I can do to help fix this fundamental system can have a very positive impact and it's a, a way of serving that can be very uh, an important force uh, and maybe even a more important force outside of government. And I, you know, just knowing your show and kind of get, getting the word out that um, there are, there's a lot, uh, there's huge value and, you know, your, the service you do is uh, is great. And just just to finish a point, um, we were talking about this DNI report in January of 2017 and the government propaganda. Uh, just I when that Yahoo News defamatory article came out in September 2016, about 45 days before the election or so, Radio Free Europe 
which is government U.S. government-sponsored propaganda outlet, rebroadcasts that. And in a defamation context, if you rebroadcast something, you know it's it's also mm-hmm. illegal. All right. So this is a U.S. government-funded uh, media propaganda outlet which is putting out this uh, false report. And, you know, like we were saying about even CNN, uh, uh, New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, they, they really steered clear of this false, these, you know, these false libelous allegations. But here you, here you have a uh, Obama administration-led uh, media agency government propaganda agency which is advancing this false story industry paid for by your tax and all of our tax dollars and that so radio free europe that year in 2016 i believe i don't have the statistics in front of me but i believe it was around over a hundred million dollars a year organization paid for by uh your taxpayer dollars and smearing you to make sure you don't perhaps have a good name overseas and, well, the, the interesting thing, uh, not only overseas, there was a change of the law right in the middle of the Obama administration. The National Defense Authorization Act of 2013, it said they changed the law. These propaganda agencies were created, you know, similar to the CIA. Mm-hmm. They were created at the outset, you know, right at the beginning of the Cold War. And then I believe in the 1940s. And. Through the, by law, these organizations could never transmit into the United States. These are foreign, you know, operations, mm-hmm. government operations to try to influence mm-hmm. opinion mm-hmm. in foreign jurisdictions, particularly sort of Warsaw Pact mm-hmm. and former Soviet Union. They changed the law in uh, right in the around the middle of the Obama administration. Um, to change that law to say now you can broadcast into the United States. So that 2016 was the first time ever uh, a first presidential election where, you know, they're they're unleashed. Right? This uh, rabid dogs of disinformation are unleashed and advancing uh, political objectives against uh, innocent U.S. citizens including candidate Trump in September of 2016. You're, you, you're very loyal to him. I mean, you have, you've made this not about you. You've always pointed out it's about him. Uh, it's about our country. Look, and, 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 let, me, let me correct you briefly. He all, and it was an inspiration. It's, it's been sort of my modus operandi. He always said during the campaign in 2016, and he said it throughout the time since, you know, what he, he what he personally went through. And he's gone through yeah. so much more than than I could ever even yeah. imagine. But he always says, you know, he had a quote. It's not about me. It's about us. Right. This is about a movement to have positive change in our country. And that, you know, I think when I sort of have this philosophy, it sort of is understanding the value of that but also you know j- just to be clear i never even met uh 
Donald J. Trump, you know, either as a candidate or in the year since or any time even before the campaign. Uh, We've never met. No. And that's the interesting thing in the 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 false spin. Right. You uh, our volunteer committee uh, had one meeting in uh, I believe it was somewhere around March 31st, 2016, about a week or so after we were announced. I had previously booked a trip out uh, uh, to meet with uh, top military leaders in Hawaii, U.S. Pacific Command, uh, which is, again, it was another one of these kind of off-the-record meetings, but it, it has been leaked in the time since, so um, I think it's, it's, it's been acknowledged. But, you know, I'm, I'm with uh, a lot of top admirals and generals, you know, fellow military veterans, and in, uh, you know, 5,000 miles away from this one meeting of our committee. And so, and I, I, you know, I had already kind of prearranged this. My, my travel is all set and I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side of the. (laughs) What would you say to him if you saw him, if you met him? Just, I I think it just to express appreciation for how much he's done to help improve our country and to advance these, uh, these elements. But also I think, you know, to your point about, um, you know, serving within an administration, I just understanding some of the operatives and just how how much malfeasance. And again, it goes back to the our tip of the iceberg point. And there's just so much more when you start digging into details about this. And I think explaining some of those details and just looking at the uh, all, you know, making sure that, you know, you have the full scope of the yeah. wrongdoing and again so perfect example are these ridiculous uh impeachment hearings in 2019 where they're mm-hmm. you know all these people who are just telling their personal stories mm-hmm. and it's it's like the uh you know some new york times opinion mm-hmm. <laughs> columns yeah. these people are given no facts no kind of firsthand facts whatsoever just opinion uh and disagreement you know, mm-hmm. to that point, mm-hmm. when people are consistently smashed, who have who share a similar worldview to our commander in chief, what's left is the uh, permanent political class mm-hmm. and these uh, these operatives who have perpetuated these negative forces. But we'll see how it all plays out. <laughs> Hopefully uh, it plays out. um well and plays out well for you in court uh going after uh the government and the media and uh it goes well for the president and anyone else who has been smeared and wronged and the bad guys go to jail i'd like to still believe that happens in america carter thank you thanks so much Clint. great to be with you just a reminder I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people.